Well, hello, everyone. Um, the tables have turned. They have, indeed. <laughs> the Drew, as the, we have successfully <laughs> overthrown Drew, and we are now firmly in charge. And uh, Daniel is not the interviewer, but the interviewee, as he right. has spent not one week, but two weeks that is true. Uh, up there on the stage, um, bringing us uh, God's word and, and you know, um, telling us how to get to heaven, yeah. and then telling us how to wait for heaven. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when Drew asked me to preach, he said, can you preach on this? I was like, I guess I can handle that topic, you know, how to get to heaven. So Yeah, yeah. So any thoughts? I always I always wonder when someone preaches a sermon, it's like, what did you leave off the table? I mean, do you walk away? Drew had the thing where, you know, he said, shoot, I forgot to talk about purgatory, yeah. right? But any things that uh, you forgot or um, yeah. just really still basking in? I think about the how to get to heaven, because that, yeah. that was a great talk. Yeah, that was two weeks weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe you've every, totally forgotten that talk. No, I definitely haven't for, forgotten that talk at all, but yeah, every time I'm a reader by nature. Mm-hmm. And so, um, not, not my whole life, just ask my, any of my grade school, elementary, all the way through high school. And, but when I hit college seminary, I just really became a reader. Yeah. And so every time when I type a sermon out, I usually use about, uh, six pages of notes or so, four to six pages, somewhere in there. Uh-huh. And by the time I finished the How to Get to Heaven, it was like 13, 14 pages. So uh-huh. I had to do a lot of cutting uh-huh. uh, just because that was just a, I was real, my heart's desire really was to t- hit the skeptic in the room and right. talk to them of, of, okay, Jesus said it very clearly, but why is that the case? And try to hit a lot of different arguments that we're hearing in mainstream thinking, if you want to say it that, or mm-hmm. more rising popularity of, you know, theologians, or I don't know if that's the right word to use for them, but like Richard Rohr, Rob Bell, mm-hmm. um, who oh a my. lot of people are listening to about universal Christ or, um, yeah. every, you know, love wins and, and just kind of not necessarily trying to like come at them necessarily, but debunking the main line but you got to pick thought. up. Yeah. yeah, and you got to pick up the pieces. People are influenced by that. Yeah, and they it are. trickles down, and you hear it people does. like Aaron Rodgers repeating it. And yeah, you so. you hear popular celebrities or just mm-hmm. other pastors who are, are are you know tickling in that direction, if you want to say that. And yeah. and I was just trying to like pull us in that direction of Jesus said this, and any other stream of of thinking really. It, it is a narrow view, but if it is the truth, it's a very kind view. It's yeah. a very kind truth. It, we feel it feels very unkind. Mm-hmm. It does. I, I and I tried to admit that and like Jesus to say, I'm the only way. You know, it, it feels very restricting, very unkind, very perplexing. But if it is the truth. It, it's the most kind thing he could say. I think you have to start with the bad news, yeah. right? I think you have to, and I think, you know, Paul sets that up. You know, in Romans, mm-hmm. it's just like, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And he yeah. goes after everybody. Yeah. You know, you you know, you know, never heard, you know, maybe you never heard. Well, even the people who heard, even the people who have seminary degrees, you know, they're toast as well. Yeah. You know, none of us, you know, you know, can get there. We're all guilty. So I guess when you start with the bad news, then mm-hmm. then it become then, then that, there was that crack in the door of light, yeah, and there's there's the good news. But people just, I, I don't think they make the journey through the bad news first, right? Yeah, and so for for people personally, yeah. I this is my hardest thing with lost family, friends, mm. whatever. Is I almost feel like I'm praying for hardship. 
yeah. you know, for them because something their 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 world has got to come undone, you know, mm-hmm. for them to then desperately find that light. Yeah. That, I, that just seems to be the common path. It's not yeah. usually people say, you know, everything is hunky-dory, mm-hmm. totally fine. Oh, by the way, let me yeah. um, it, it just shows, look into the gospel. Yeah, it's echo to, like, how much we need God's Spirit to work, you know, in communicating the gospel, even in one-on-one evangelism or, mm-hmm. or just sharing the good news or in a, you know, big setting like a Sunday morning, giving a talk, like we're utterly dependent on God's spirit to work because if I'm just trying to convince you of this, right. it's not, it's going to fall flat on Absolutely. its face because if I'm trying to convince you, you're a terrible person and you need Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a ancient carpenter from the Middle East, it's, it's like, this is not going to work out. Like some of those other strands of thought would, would be more provocative and mm-hmm. oh that's interesting yeah. but um we're desperate for god's spirit to to really quicken our hearts and, and there's others who have said oh i think drew was telling me he was talking to somebody in the lobby he's like well i think you know romans 10 9 you, you gotta repent too and it's like well yes it's like it's almost like chicken or egg you know it's like which one comes first and how does right. god's spirit work and right uh, i think the the point of the matter is is we need god's spirit to open our eyes you know because paul says in ephesians we're dead in our sin yeah you know we're we're just we're toast you know yeah. i think john piper or other theologians asked the question like provocative like what are good, dead people good at being dead right like like they're really good at being dead like and so and us and our sin that's what we're, we're weekend really at Bernie's at. yeah we're really good <laughs> at being dead um oh. and so we need God's spirit to revive us you know um not not just shake us awake but we need him to boom make us alive and so right so um, we yeah absolutely uh regeneration you yeah. know you know to so if you're dead you know the solution is to be resurrected, yeah, and that's again something we don't do to ourselves. It's yeah. something that you know that that the spirit does. Um, and again, you have to have that tension of just saying, "Well, God will take care of it," you know, yeah. versus what's our role in it. It's not all up to us, but God uses us. Yeah. So that's always a tough one to uh, tease out. But I will echo. I mean, when you say it, it trickles up to the pastor level, mm. that tension of being able to say Jesus is the only only way. Mm. Um, I mean, if it's hard even for pastors, yeah. you know, sometimes to teach that, think about, you know, yeah. all us common folk, you know, or the people <laughs> in the pew, I mean, people out there in the workplace. I will admit, you know, that yeah. I've been in rooms with unsaved friends, and um, my courage fails me sometimes mm. just to say, you know what, Jesus is the only way. That's it's it's not popular and not easy. It doesn't sound kind, but it's the kindest thing you could yeah. say. And one of the most frustrating things for me and from any I hear Christians, you know, followers of Jesus say this all the time. Um, when when they uh they'll we'll be talking about something or something will be brought up and, and it could be about Jesus, the Bible, heaven one day, you know, some a thing about God, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's something in the thing about God, and they'll say the phrase well, you know what I think, and and I and I just want to be like, I don't care what you think. I don't care what I think. I want to know what God says. Like, what yeah. does God's word say? And and it's it's us and our our. I think it's it's pride or arrogance just poking its head, mm-hmm. just briefly to to think that our minds have weight in the things of God just on our by our their own merit or yeah. something like that. Um, and a lot of times that's what. People in, in, you know, they'll be left up to their own devices and they'll, that's why 
we we commonly think, oh, if I'm just good enough, or oh, if I just do this thing, or and they're sincerely trying to pursue that thing, you know, oh, I'm trying to be good, you know, I'm mm-hmm. tr- I'm trying, uh, but that those efforts aren't, you know, it's falling short. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but God says there's a, there is a way, you know. Yeah. So right. It's I, I have always thought it's silly for me to come yeah. up with something on my own. I mean, at the very least, you know, we have thousands of years of other people's experience. That yes. probably means more than mine. But um, so if it is outside ourselves, you know, we say it's the mm-hmm. Bible, you yeah. know, which is the authority. You know, others might say, well, why not Muhammad? Why not the Buddha? Mm-hmm. Why not Stephen Hawking? You know, yeah. or, you know, some atheist. I mean, other other people, people do listen to different sources. Yeah. Um, and then there's a question of... Why? Why does the? How well does the Bible stand up? And yeah. for me, it always comes. I always find myself trickling back to the resurrection. You know, yeah. so if the resur, yeah, you if the resurrection question. really happened, yeah. then boom, all the other dominoes yeah. fall into place. Then yes, we should. You know, Jesus thoroughly in, endorsed the Bible. So yeah. um, Jesus, you know, died, came back. We should listen to him. The alternative is the resurrection never happened. But I don't see a way to explain the church. You know, mm. or what happened in the world without a resurrection. Yeah. If he didn't come out of the grave, those disciples, psh, we'd never hear from them. Yeah. You know, you know the, the thing that I tried to do in one, one statement uh, that probably most people, you know, d- didn't catch, and not, not to say that their intelligence wasn't there, but just to say, like, it was just such a blanket statement that not seen in that context, but uh, one thing that I really wanted to hit at was kind of what you were asking is, mm-hmm. is okay, why is the Bible you know, um, believable, you know, the believability of the Bible, if you want to say mm-hmm. that. And, um, and I really didn't come at that at all, you know, because that's a series in and of itself, you mm-hmm. know, Drew and I've talked to yeah. others and it's like, Hey, one, you know, maybe next year we'll do, you know, a series on about the, why I trust the Bible or, yeah. or something like that. M- yeah. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not speaking that t- into existence or anything, but, right. um, <laughs> but I, I made the statement and I tried to say it a few times throughout the message and I may have failed on that, but, um, that Jesus is different, not because he said something, but because he did something. Mm. Um, right. And that's what I, I, I tried to say that multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of coming at like all these other str- strands of thought or people who have good ideas or, or give some wisdom. Um, you know, like if you, if you read even the scriptures and the wisdom literature, uh, you know, Solomon talks about in Proverbs and even in Ecclesiastes and some others, or the teacher, whoever you want to say wrote Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. that other people can have wisdom. Sure. It, it just may fall short of God's wisdom. Right. There, there is wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people do have good good thoughts. Mm-hmm. But just because they have good thoughts doesn't mean they're, you know, their weight is enough to advise you on eternal things, mm-hmm. like everlasting. Like, eternity (laughs) like how to get to heaven you know just because other mainstream teachers and or just public people have good ideas like Mm -hmm. yeah i i listen to you know non-christians on how to invest you know (laughs) how to like you know what car i should buy or or things like that like it's not saying that you should only go to the bible for every question you know that you may have like I think it has Bible has good financial advice it has is good things in all those avenues but the primary thing of of the Bible is how to get to heaven not and that's not all it's for but and then how to live today so right. I'm tying those two messages that I did back to back together of like 
how to get to heaven and then okay how to live now um mm-hmm. and and right now with the wisdom that you've so learned. say that statement again you because i think that's really important you said jesus jesus is important not because of what he said, but what he did. That's not yeah. what you said. Is that yeah. what you said? Yeah. So Jesus is important, not because he said something, but because he did something. Yeah. And and I, I think you could reverse that statement back around and now say, because Jesus did something, everything he said is weighty, right. more weighty than any other teacher. Yeah. You, you could turn that statement right back around on its head and... That's the point of it. And you see that with the disciples afterwards because they didn't repeat Jesus' sermons. Yeah. They just, they pointed to what he did. Yeah. You know, every gospel presentation, you know, all the gospel writers, they all include the resurrection, all the letters Mm -hmm. afterwards. It's all about, hey, he died, he rose again, he ascended on high, he is the only way. So it's, yeah, we don't get, you know, so his teaching is hugely important, but it's secondary to what he accomplished yeah, and what he because, did. And how different that is from other religious yeah. leaders, right? Like the Buddha said, don't look at me, look at my teaching, look at my dharma, right? Yeah. And others have pointed to teaching, right? Yeah. And there's other religions then that say teaching saves, right? Yeah. Knowledge saves, you yeah. know, but that's, Jesus yeah. is different. Nope, it doesn't, I save, yeah. I am the way, I am yeah, the I truth. Yeah, I think it's like the, Nate Miller, uh, he used the illustration, like last year, he did a sermon on the gospel presentation, and he talked about religion is do, Jesus is done. You know, it's yes. like the do versus done, and which has been said other times. Like, um, But he's like, you know, all major religions say, okay, this is what you need to do. Right. Uh, Jesus says it's done, uh-huh. you know, and, and now, not to say, I think in the Western church, we've, we've simplified it just to that. And I think Mm -hmm. if we say just that it's leaving it short, you know, we've tried to say at Northridge and when we're communicating the gospel to say, start a relationship with Jesus, not just like have a relationship with Jesus, because it's a, it's a beginning point that you begin to walk and follow. And now what, what does it mean to be a disciple? Um, You know, it means to you know, follow them with your life, you know? So that means like trusting them with your eternity. Um, Mm -hmm. but then you model every, how you live based off of what did Jesus do? What did he teach? Mm -hmm. And then how did he say to live, you know? And so you kind of, it's a full encompassing, it's a whole person of devotion to him and to follow him. And that, and that impacts us on, on this side of eternity. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. that impacts us like, you know, this past weekend's message, I, I jo- tongue-in-cheekly called it Heaven's Delay, you know, because we're right. doing Heaven, you know, the, we just finished up Heaven, and then next week we're jumping into Heaven's Invades, talking about Jesus coming uh, to Earth. But, okay, what do we do in the meantime? Mm-hmm. Uh, because the big truth that I was trying to wrestle in my studying and in my thinking of like, okay, how do I tie these two weeks, these two series together with this gap week, was it's... Okay, we celebrate Jesus has come, amen, like hallelujah, you know, praise God, it's Christmas time, but then we're still faced with all the brokenness of life in the world. It's like, but I thought Jesus came, yeah. you know, for, <clears throat> for centuries, I the remember, Old Testament believers were yeah. saying, when he comes, when he comes, when he, and then he did, and then like, we're on this side of it, and it's like, praise God for the cross, but we're still living in this brokenness. Right. So how do we rectify both of those Things. Well, it's happening just like he said it was going to happen. Yeah. And he, you know, if you read John 17, it's a beautiful passage in high priestly prayer mm-hmm. where Jesus says, I'm not calling you out of the world. I'm calling you to be on mission in the world by living empowered by my spirit and, and 
going and doing the works I've done. And so, okay, it's like sitting, a, sitting across from a fire hydrant, folks. <laughs> yeah. There's so much stuff coming here, so much stuff I want to respond to. But I think the year, you mentioned Christmas and brokenness. I think the year that it was just really forced upon me was the year of the Sandy Hook shootings, which mm-hmm. I think was like days before Christmas. Yeah. And there were families that went home and saw unopened Christmas presents for mm. children that had died. Um, I mean, just talk about that, you know, that juxtaposition. But yes, we live in horrific, unbelievable brokenness and Christmas, but also heaven, you know, uh, reminds us that that's not the ultimate, that's not the end. Your do versus done is great. I I think of it as like reversed, right? You know, uh, I think Tim Keller says other religions say performance first and then verdict. Yeah. But Christianity is verdict first and then performance. So it's not that the do isn't there, it just comes after the done, right? And James says that, right? I mean, if you're really, if if the gospel really changed you, and that's where you now you went there with your talk this past week is like um, lives are changed. Our lives are changed now because of this truth of heaven, truth of the gospel, uh, truth of salvation. But James says, if you really are a believer yeah. and you're not doing, yeah. <laughs> then that's really proof that you didn't quite get it. It's not yeah. It's not real. So the doing's there. It just yeah. comes later. Yeah, because I think to be a follower of Jesus is not to have fire insurance, uh-huh. you know, like in the sense of, and I think the Western church, we've tainted that a lot because we've said, okay, repent and believe, now come to church. Yeah. And that's what that's basically what we we've said I, for centuries. I grew up with that. Yeah, it's like Do you you may have grown up with yeah, that. 100%, I know I grew up yeah, with that. 100%. It was like praise God and you know, another name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you know. And it's and and that's like but would you read the hard sayings of Jesus in the Gospels where he says, "If anyone wants to come after me, Mm-hmm. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Right. You know, and he and he confronts, you know, the rich young ruler, and he says, you know what your God is? It's it's manan or money. It's mm-hmm. your treasures possession. He says, sell it all and follow me. Yeah. And, and he's, he's, he just says he meets all these people and he can he pierces them to the heart. Mm-hmm. He, he know Jesus knows he's discerning. He has he's perfectly God, perfectly man, and he and he pierces right to their heart and says, okay, if you want to follow me then this is what you're idolizing right now. You need to get that out and, and follow me. You yeah. need to repent. You need to turn away from that and trust in me. And then when he meets, and then there's all these accounts throughout the Gospels where somebody says, I can't do it. Right. You know, And then there's other accounts where they, they do, and we usually celebrate those accounts and be like, oh, go, look at Zacchaeus. He, he gave back four times you know, everything that he, he owned, taken, yeah. you know, that he'd taken, and, and we celebrate that, and he got saved. But we don't talk about like that re- that dramatic turn of of a life of when he encountered Jesus. He said, "Now my priorities are fully reoriented." Yeah, and the temptation is always to think like what Zacchaeus did justified him, but that's yeah. not it. It's not it's, it at all. It's that was the that was the evidence. That was the impact. Yeah. That was you know you know that was the proof of Jesus's you know yeah. impact. So yeah. Yeah, the stuff that people do, the self-sacrificing makes no sense kind of decisions mm-hmm. that people make because, you know, they're really paying it forward. I mean, you know, we'll never pay back Jesus you yeah. know, for what he did, but we get the opportunity, you know, and gratitude, to, you know, to yeah. share what he shared with us, with yeah. others. And I think it's the que- the question is, is, is or just kind of like putting a bow on the, these thoughts in this regard, and then we can transition to whatever else comes next, uh-huh. but... It's 
when when we encounter people like that in the scriptures, like Zacchaeus or um, whoever the case may be, like uh, just they they went radical of mm-hmm. uh, of their Paul. Gi- their giving, whether that may be with their life, like mm-hmm. Paul, like Paul. Yeah. You know, we we don't see any recording in scripture of like. And Paul tithe, you know, 90% of his income. You know what? We don't see that. But we say, like, we see Paul radically shifting his life of, mm-hmm. of he's like, now I'm a missionary. I'm writing letters to churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, testifying about the risen Jesus who have I've encountered. And mm-hmm. I, I, this is how I'm living my life now. Um, but he was still a tent maker. He still had to provide an income. Mm-hmm. He, st- he was a common folk, as you said, yeah. in, in his daily life, even though he was he was trained as a you know, uh, the Jew of Jews, you know, he says the rabbi among rabbis. And mm-hmm. um, and then you have like Zacchaeus who does something with his wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we encounter people in our everyday life that that's how they live. And if you encounter somebody that has that right lens, it's, it's I can do nothing because I realize, I fully come to this realization of everything God has done for me. Like I, I have no other choice. Like this is out of the overflow. Like I don't mm-hmm. own these things, my time, my talents, my money. Like, right. and in a small way, that's what I was trying to get out in the application of this past week of, of taking. Because not everybody is going to. They're not in a position like a Zacchaeus to say, "Give it all away," you know. And and I don't think any, you know, theologian to be honest, would that scares, say that. It's like no, like like that scares me to. You death. also have a biblical <laughs> mandate to provide for your family right. and to. You know, to hold down a job, to be a functioning member of society, like all those things are also biblical things too. Right. But the question is, is like the the thing that our family has re- tries to wrestle through every year is how can we make it abundantly clear to ourselves, like Reen and I, my wife and I, how can we preach the gospel to ourselves to say this isn't ours? Mm-hmm. You know, like our our time, our talents, our our ability to create wealth, to work, to provide, it's not even ours. That That's not even ours. And our, mm-hmm. our our income that comes in, this is not our, like, and how in every facet of our lives, how can we force ourselves to say, this isn't mine, and we, we want to give it back to God in worship to Him, in honoring Him, and sacrificing to Him, and that was where the 1% of, okay, we're going to do that. a time inventory, we're going to do a talents inventory, we're going to do a treasures inventory, and say, okay, how can we, what's that 1% look like this year? And so, right. It's yeah. easy to think about the big, the, the big things like Zacchaeus, you know, giving it all away. Yeah. But what we're talking about here is you're talking about what are the daily things? Yeah. Well, you know, take up your cross daily. You know, how do we, you know, sacrifice? Um, I think if, is it, do we really believe it if it doesn't cost us anything? Mm. And it's not that, again, we're buying salvation, we're not earning anything. Yeah, no, it's just like, if it's true, Shouldn't this be true in our lives? Shouldn't it work out, you know, in this way? So um, I don't know. We're, we're, we've kind of softly slid back and forth between the two weeks, how to get to heaven and then waiting for heaven. But let's just firmly land on this past Sunday. So heaven's delay. I know we've already talked about it some, yeah. but uh, do you want to recap it? I mean, I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, you started uh, you know talking about heaven, but then what that means in terms of life change mm how it impacts us, the future, that future truth impacts us today, and then just that application challenge of where it should take us. But yeah, why, why don't you talk about <laughs> anything in that message that you left on the table? How many pages of notes <laughs> did you have this past Sunday? Yeah, so this message was hard. Uh, 
to write because I rewrote it probably at least the back half of it. I knew I wanted to land in Isaiah 11. The mm-hmm. spirit of the Lord was upon me and I wanted to do 714 and 96 of those Christmas. The first like two pages of my notes, it was pr- they came pretty easy. I knew the direction that, that I, and I wanted to get to Isaiah 11. Um, but I wrestled really toughly like, okay, where's the, the transition point of like getting to Jesus and, and what he's saying. And I went to Galatians. I, I, I had all these different routes. And so leaving things on the table, yes, because I, I wanted to I wanted to parse out as Isaiah 11 every, mm. you know, I had chunks of like verses three through five are packed. You know, that's why I challenge people to mm. um, to read that on their own. Like this yeah. is who the scriptures say Jesus will be. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're packed full. And I had that all parsed out. I had like two or three pages of notes on that. And um, and then verses nine, uh, eight, seven, eight, nine, 10, and 11, I think, uh, or maybe stopping at 10. It's, it's a wild picture of what the product of heaven will be, what it will produce, like mm. what the knowledge of the Lord covering the water, the earth as the waters yeah. cover the sea, uh-huh. what it will produce, like the animals um, change their behavior. Like that is mind boggling yeah. to me. Like it says that, um, you know, the, the wolf and the lamb will lie beside each other. Right. The, the, chil- the ch- child or children will play beside the den of a cobra like and not be harmed and it's like all these things but the product yeah. of that it what caused all those things to actually happen to shift is the knowledge or the experience the mm-hmm. encounter with the risen Yahweh God like uh-huh. the personal God an encounter with him produces those things uh-huh. that not only people humans who are made in the image of God mm-hmm like change, they repent and they are, are fully shift. Right. But even animal, like creation, like the curse that was put on creation in the in Genesis three, because of sin, it's the curse is reversed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like and that just like wrestling through that path, it's like, wow, like I don't understand I was listening to I was reading some of Piper's thoughts on this. He's like, I don't know how any of this happens, but I know it happens. I don't know how it happens. Yeah, either. it's like I don't, how do we, animals stop killing each other? I, I mentioned before, I just don't even know how physics and biology work without death, without you yeah. know, all, all of these, you know, it's like we we know how to and, and then you talk about You think about this. All the carnivores are now going to eat plants. That's what's going to happen. Like it's like no longer you're not going to have the Discovery Channel with the cool British guy in heaven. Right. You know, it's like and the lion is stalking the. It's like it's not going to happen. It's like a lion's going to be eating dandelions now. It's like it's that's what's it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, and that's the animal kingdom. And think about the people kingdom, right? Yeah. We know how to run kingdoms with pride and fear. Yeah. Right. And I don't, and that's the kingdom of God reverses that. And that's what I love about Isaiah too, is mm-hmm. like all those mountains and the valleys, right? The mountains, the mm-hmm. proud, everyone else, you're going to do not be proud because yeah. you are God, the kingdom of God is coming for you. But if you're oppressed and you're in the valley and hopeless, you get lifted up. But there's whole reversal. Yeah. And yeah, people, people kingdom, no longer pride and fear to mm-hmm. run the world. The, the, the most, Love and grace. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. yeah. The most heart-piercing part of studying for that talk was the king of Assyria in, in Isaiah 10. Mm. At 10, 13, you could just read that one phrase that I read, and it really just pierced your heart, you know, mm. like in the sense of the king of Assyria is being risen to power. 
Mm-hmm. And he says, by my wisdom, by my strength, by my understanding, wow. I've done this. And, and, and God, essentially, at the end of chapter 10, tells him, you're going to be cast aside. You know, mm-hmm. he essentially says, you're an axe in my hand, and when I'm finished, I'm just going to toss you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, and you may, you may hear that and think about that and be like, man, that sounds prideful of God to say that. It's like, no, he's holy. He's f- fully righteous. Mm-hmm. But he says, he's, he says if you're going to operate out of your own arrogance right. and not humble yourself mm-hmm. under mm-hmm. me, then, then this is what you're going to be. You're, you're a pawn in the scheme, mm-hmm. but God is working th- all things together for good. He, he is, he's working in such a way to take the nation of Israel to this place mm-hmm. to get them to see, you cannot do this without me. You, you need me. And so, um, and, it, and it seems unnatural for us to even swap. Mm-hmm. Like, and we've, we've been wrestling through all these ideas about heaven through this whole series. And, um, you know, we've had multiple times where we're like, this doesn't seem right for us to say things or believe things or know things like that. Like, because our earthly lens, our, our sin is, puts this veil over us that's right. like, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. And, um, but that's not true. God is fully righteous. He's holy. He's perfect. He is the, as you read in Isaiah 11, the perfect judge. He judges the poor rightly. Uh-huh. He, he executes justice perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, his words always true. He will smithereen. He will, you know, he, he will <laughs> blow his enemies to smithereens by the power of his word. That's what, it, that's what it says in Isaiah 11. It says, by the power of his word, he will put his enemies to destruction. Sounds like Daniel's got a whole series uh, on Isaiah. He's yeah, it's just, yeah, it's powerful. It's, Isaiah's uh, wonderful. Yeah. It's just yeah, my favorite prophet by far. Just yeah. so much of the gospel in there. Good stuff. All right, so um, talk about then, okay, so that was some of the stuff you left on the table. But yeah. the stuff you did say was that really, if we're understanding it, and that's, it's interesting. If we understand heaven right, it seems like a few things should happen. We should see life change. Is that, that's where you went, right? Mm-hmm. And then also that response to heaven was that it should change the direction of our lives. You know, maybe, you know, what was your question? Where are you being sent to? Yeah, where are you being sent? Yeah, where are you being sent? I don't know if I said the word to or not, but... Oh, so I think you yeah. just, I, I, I think you're correct. You said yeah. it correctly. Where are you being sent? In the sense of um, a, not necessarily everyone being sent to move somewhere, but mm-hmm. just like going mm-hmm. as you as you are going, go with a purpose in mind behind you to share the gospel by meeting um, as we see in Luke 4 and then all throughout the gospels and Bible period is meeting physical and spiritual needs. I think you need both and it's not one or the other. It's not picking, are we going to do um, a social gospel in the sense of, of providing just food for the hungry or clothing for the poor or, you know, shelter for the orphans. It's not just that, Mm -hmm. but it's not, not that, right. You know, it's not those, it's not, not doing those things, but then on the other side, it's not sharing the good news. It's, it's, it's doing both of those things actively, Mm -hmm. um, in how you live your life. And so you, you can be sent to, to do those things. I, I think, for for most of us, it's it's easy to maybe around this time of year just give some extra pocket change or a few dollars at mm-hmm. the Salvation Army when we're walking into a grocery store. Um, that that's the the easy side of it, but actually making it more of a point in your day to day, and that's what I was trying to get at with that example of like, okay, our family does 
our giving does, you know, of our time, our talents, and our money go up around the holiday season because it's more in front of us. Like sure. today, if you're listening to this on the day of release, is Giving Tuesday. And we want credit from the IRS. Yeah, to do it before you know, first. Uh, you know. <laughs> And you know you gotta account, call your accountant if you're if you make some good money. It's like okay, how much more do I have to give away this year before so I can not have to pay the IRS? And so, um, but we do that naturally more during the holiday season because it's mm-hmm. in front of us all the time. But then the rest of the time, it's like, okay, well now this is the rest of the months are for me. Yeah. Um. And and this that's not how God calls us. So if if heaven is our home. And if we have been righted mm-hmm. in the standing of God here on this earth, and right. he calls us to go about and do the works that he did, mm-hmm. to follow in his footsteps, then it, is, it does look like reorienting your life. And I think there's some of it is living a more simple life. Mm-hmm. For, for some of us, is it's considering how many cars do you drive or how, what kind of house do you live in, what kind of... You know, what is your budget and what is your time budget, money budget, talent budget? You know, essentially right. think of it like that. And and mm-hmm. the question that we're constantly asking in our home is like, how can we live with margin in all these areas so that we have something to give? We do. We can do, mm-hmm. give. And it's not living like it barely having any food in your pantry. That's mm-hmm. not at all what we're saying. But it's like, how can you live more of a simple life yeah. so that when you're going out to eat and because you, you, you do and and you're standing, you're, I was like, I want to buy their meal, you know, or right. like, or, or maybe you're standing in line at Wegmans and you, you see a single mom behind you with four kids mm-hmm. and you, you know, you just feel like God being like, you should buy her groceries. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just like, but I don't have enough money for my groceries. Right. But if you live in margin, when, when God's spirit just says, boom, you should do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, way more natural uh, you know oh, man. Um, you, just, you have so many things here to unpack that's yeah. just great but i love that i love the thing about margin but yes to if you want to follow the cultural current you're always going to be buying the bigger house the bigger car mm-hmm. you know you you live in the suburbs or in the city whatever it's it's there'll always be that temptation to make your money go as far as it can or overextend it for you but yeah, if you make Drew, those Drew choices always makes the statement of yeah. we always we're really good at living at 110 percent within our budget and so it's because we we're living on credit cards or loans or whatever the case may be we're living actually beyond our means not even we're not even maxing ourselves out we're we're going above and beyond we're living in the red and so so um yeah so i i'm blessed with a wife who doesn't want all those things is very frugal and very content so yeah yeah we have a, a more modest home you know than my colleagues i work with people they're all in the suburbs and bigger houses but that does give us the margin yeah right and then we can't a capital campaign comes or there's a need or whatever there's you know ways we can we can respond that's that's so good you were talking about um focusing on one or the other so i love that you bring luke four into it you know and again there's jesus Mm -hmm. quoting isaiah again right so i mean i think you know isaiah psalms i think he those are the books he quotes the most yeah but but i but you know, we've grown up in cultures that just focus on the gospel and getting people saved. And Define, defining the gospel as how to get to heaven, like good news on how to get to heaven is information. Right. Intellectual yeah. ascent. Yeah. Right. Get people to sign up, you know, yeah. and then it starts to feel like party affiliation. Right. It's just like we want, you know, make them members of the club, you know, or whatever. But it doesn't necessarily change fire insurance. I think you said before, mm-hmm. you know, it's just that it's just something we take care of. It's something so it's compartmentalized. It's detached. It's just it's selfish. 
right? Because mm-hmm. it's just about you know me getting you know taking care of myself. But but we have to say if if we're not acting like Jesus, if these passions aren't ours also, the to you know to set the captives free, you know to you know to heal, to free, to uh, reverse oppression, you know, mm. you know, those sorts of things, then we must not be getting the gospel to yeah. begin with. It must be something else, you know, mm. something we've, we've fallen shy on. But uh, I, so, and, and I grew up with a lot of suspicion around that, right? Yeah. People would say, oh, that's social justice. Oh, they're mm. compromising the gospel or whatever. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah, but and, and and there can be a danger, right, of just making it all about social justice or just about you know here we are, we're just going to take care of yeah. the poor without taking care of their eternity. But uh, yeah, to link those two is hard. You just yeah. find places that focus on my, one. My challenge, or the other. my challenge for people would be is uh, this is going to sound cliche, but I would say read the prophets, mm-hmm. um, and most of the time. Prophets, when they are bringing a negative message, are bringing a negative message because the people of God have forsaken the orphan and the widow. Yeah, um, and they they have not taken care of the vulnerable. is is basically what God is bringing judgment upon them. Is that's tucked in multiple prophets in the Old Testament. Yeah, uh, and then Jesus comes to say, "I'm here to set the captive free." To you know, to be a father to the blind will see, yeah, the will walk, yeah, all those things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just as a plug, uh, the next three weeks of the podcast, we're bringing on um, Josh Horn, our executive outreach director, and then I think Michelle Geringer, who's on the Beyond team as well, will be on talking about ways that you can directly get involved if you're a part of Northridge or maybe from the outside. There's a listener. Thanks for listening. Um, they'll be on the next couple of weeks talking about. Okay, what are some practical steps that we are taking as a church to be partnerships with people who do that? Uh, but then also, how can you just you can get more involved, uh, more than just saying like I tithe to Northridge, I give you know regularly, which we super appreciate your giving. We we could not do um, what we do without you um, at all. But you can say, hey, you can get more involved with your talents and time. Um, or maybe you you want to give more directly to some of these initiatives. You can do that as well. Well, that's a great way to land the plane. Yeah, I am. Yeah. That's great transition. So great job yeah. of preaching a message that took us from heaven <laughs> to beyond next week. So beyond. That's right. And then next week we kick off a new series. Drew uh, should be in the saddle uh, uh, preaching on heaven invades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did a teaser two weeks ago about this message talking about the Immaculate Conception or the Incarnation or the Virgin Birth mm-hmm. and why that is so significant theologically and practically for our lives. So you'll have to listen this Sunday uh, for Heaven Invades. Sounds great. Sounds great.